Hello, thanks for joining me. If you own stocks, you know that the market responds to current events. It is now a near certainty that we will be transitioning to a new administration in January. The coronavirus continues to spike all across the country, and a second wave of the virus and lockdowns loom over the economy. The promise that a vaccine is just around the corner also affects the trajectory of the market in its own ways. Additionally, federal interest rates remain near zero, which means that liquidity continues to be pumped into the market, potentially inflating asset prices. James Slaughter, founder of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management, is here to help us make sense of it all. Um, and just as a personal aside, James is a buddy that I met on the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mat. He's as tough as anybody on the mat uh, and a good friend of mine. So thank you for joining us. Maybe you can kind of help us unpack everything that's going on in the stock market. Um, thanks for coming on, James. How are you? Good, Gibran. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll do my best. There's definitely a lot going on. And um, yeah, you know, we've known each other for a long time going back to uh, the early jiu-jitsu days and and uh, congratulations on all your success, podcast, the school, everything else. I'm, I'm really happy to be, be here today with you guys. Yeah. Hey, so do, would you like to just offer some top line? I mean, we, you know, we prepared some questions and some talking points, but if you want to just offer some top line trends, actually, let me back up here real quick. Nothing that you hear in today's uh, show or podcast should be construed as personal financial advice for yourself uh, or, you know, for you to go out and, and take action upon. These are top line trends and these are top line talking points from, a, from an expert in the industry, but none of this is personal, personal financial advice. I just wanted to get that caveat out of the way for you real quick. Um, do you want to just give us an overview of what's going on? I know that's kind of an open-ended and, and maybe unfair question, but. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot obviously over the past eight months with COVID. So that has really been a curveball that I think, we are still trying to navigate in the investment world and, and figure out what the lingering consequences will be down the road. We just had a, uh, an election that uh, I think there's a lot of emotions and a lot surrounding that. And I think that's still, uh, as that plays out and the transition into a new administration, I think there's going to be, uh, that could potentially affect the market in different ways that I think we have to be mindful of. But, you know, I think a lot of it is really, uh, it, it's really geared towards the future and where we eventually will be versus where we are now. And I think that's the, that's what we really have to take a look at now is the anticipation of when we will get back to a new norm versus the reality of what we're still going through with COVID and everything else. And I think having an understanding of that, trying to give, um, my interpretation and some of our analysts, what we're looking at and the discussions that we're having with an investment committee on a weekly basis. I'm happy to pass some of that information on to all of you and, and answer any questions that I might be able to for you. Okay. Um, just quickly, just quickly, it um, kind of a more of a top line talking point. Um, it, it seems to me that you know, the market responds to trends, the market responds to current events, but, and this is almost maybe more of a philosophical or theoretical question. How does the market respond to like existential threats to humanity, right? I mean, if there's an idea that a particular investor, someone has an idea of like, well, this coronavirus is an existential threat to me and my family, or the political unrest is an existential threat to the, you know, to the continuation of the United States as a, as a, as a country even, I mean, it's really, it's really dark out there, but the market keeps going up and up and up. It seems like in some ways the, like how, how do these really big heavy trends get, get priced into the market? 
Um, is it the sort of thing where it says like, well, if everything else is going down the tubes, I do want equities because I know that's one thing that's going to stay stable. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, I mean, that's a great point and great question. I think the theme, if I can really put a theme on the last eight or nine months, and I think where we are today, it seems to us, to me, that investors are really looking past what's happening currently and okay. the threats that we're going through and they're forward looking to the future and that's really what's driving the market up and up and up and i think that's what we've seen you know multiple times over the past six seven eight months for example this new vaccine news that just came out and i know there was more news this morning uh yes we we do have vaccines that will eventually become available i think the distribution of some of these vaccines is going to be very difficult but it's going to take a long time for, you know, the distribution of these vaccines to get out there and for us to get past COVID. But the markets are reacting positively to the vaccine, knowing that eventually down the road, we will get back to some, some new norm. And I think that's, that's really the trend that we've been seeing is, you know, not so much the, the, the threat of things getting really bad or what's currently going on, but it's, forward looking to when we can get back to the new norm, if that answers your question. Right, right. Yeah, that, I think that, that answers my question. Um, I'm wondering, do, does that suggest personally to you what you're telling your clients, I guess? I mean, does that seem unsustainable to always be looking forward? There's a lot of talk of, you know, maybe a, bu a bubble looming. I mean, asset inflation, a lot of these equities are made potentially overpriced. Um, is there something unsustainable about always looking forward and kind of continuing to 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 in bring these you know these stock market prices upward while we're kind of hoping for the vaccine? I mean, what if it doesn't come, or what if it takes longer than we realize to to distribute vaccine to get back to normal? You know, we were talking earlier on the show that some things aren't necessarily going to get back to normal because things have changed in ways that we could not have anticipated. Um, what do you, how do you navigate that for your clients? What do you, what do you tell your clients, you know, kind of hope for the best, prepare for the worst? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I agree completely with what you're saying. And I think those are the things that I think you have to look at as an advisor um, right now. It, it's very important to, I think, have an understanding of everything that's happening, understand the economics behind it and, you know, explain that in the best way that you can to clients. And I think you want to be conservative right now. So, you know, I can, I can share a little bit about our firm and, and what we've done over the past seven, eight months. And I think certainly there, there's been a, a huge amount of opportunity, uh, especially focused on the tech space and, um, you know, some of the innovations in certain companies now is not the time i think to be overly aggressive i think now is the time to take some profits in i think you want to be uh be careful i think there's going to be some sector rotation so moving out of some of the more higher risk sectors into some of the more distressed sectors that have not recovered and have not done as well you know you're looking at tourism and the aero the airline industries and the aerospace industry you're looking at you know oil and and things like that that i think not saying that oil is a good investment but i think you know those are distressed sectors that some people are looking at that potentially could bounce back if uh if we get back to uh, a healthy economy and past COVID. but i think you you mentioned what if things take a lot longer so what if COVID continues to spread 
um, you know, at record numbers daily. And as we go through this winter season, what happens if there's another, you know, lockdown? You know, Biden has said, um, or at least some of the people on his new team have said that they would be for potentially a four to six week lockdown. What would that do? What impact would that have? And I think those are real potential possibilities that I think a lot of investors right now are skipping over and they're fast forwarding to 12 months from now or 18 months. And I think things could get fairly volatile here in the short term. So, you know, uh, all of those things have to come in play with the investments. And I, I think that, um, you know, any good financial advisor should be having those conversations with you as a client. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about this uncertainty you can almost feel it in the air. I think I was at Costco this weekend and I had a, almost had a full blown wrestling match for a roll of toilet for a thing of toilet paper. I mean, that anxiety and that angst is starting to, you know, we, we saw that the first time in the first lockdown, toilet paper, pasta, bread, you know, hand sanitizer wipes, all these things were kind of, there was like a run on the market for these things. And then, you know, March, spring, summer came around and it sort of, didn't quite normalize, but the tension sort of, at least on the COVID and the hysteria in the, in the, the physical marketplace of Costco and the grocery store seemed to subside a little bit. But I went, to, I went grocery shopping this weekend and, and I saw, you know, with my own two eyes, that tension again, you can kind of feel it in the air. People, you know, everyone's got a roll of toilet paper kind of looking around, bottled water again. You know, I mean, half of me says, hey, folks, we've just been through this. It's going to be okay. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But at the other half of me says, you know, I understand it's scary. And especially if you're a provider for a family, you feel like you have to take care of, of you and yours first. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that the, the stock market continues to go up despite lots of uncertainty looking forward. Like you said, I think one of the things that might be, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, or I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, one of the things that might be com- driving the price of stock upwards is a general uncertainty in other, in, in other assets. Well, in the, like the federal interest rates are near zero. So you can't exactly take out a CD and get a return on your investment because there's no, there's no interest, there's no interest to, be, to be had in traditional money market or savings vehicles. So everyone who's looking for a return on their, on, on their investment is now going into equities or assets of other, uh, uh, of other types. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've had 10 plus years now of uh, the Fed keeping interest rates low, which has certainly inflated certain asset prices, you know, like equities, absolutely. You know, and then I think there's also, uh, you know, the Robinhood investor, you know, a lot of, a lot of individuals are investing in the market, which I actually think is a great thing. I think the more people that um, we have invested uh, in the stock market and putting money away for their future, I think is a huge positive, but, I think all of that is pushing to, you know, some of these equity positions rising uh, way more than they absolutely should based on fundamental analysis. And that's really, I think that's where we're at right now. If you look at kind of the fundamental analysis and where a lot of these companies should be priced at based on the, you know, economic environment that we are currently in or coming out of, and where the actual equity price is, there, there's a disconnect, a huge disconnect. And at some point, there will be, there will be a reckoning and there will be issues with that. But, um, 
you know, but for now, I think you have to be very selective and careful and wise about, you know, where you're putting your money. I think you are correct. You, you know, it doesn't make sense to put it in a savings account or a CD. It's just not earning anything. I do think the equity market is the most attractive area to put money in. Um, but I also think, you know, you want to be kind of a barbell approach. I think you want to have cash on hand. I think that makes sense. I think you still want to be diversified. And, you know, I think even, you know, commodities and other things like that can be a decent place to have a portion of your assets, you know, while there's uncertainty right now, you just don't want to be all in or overly aggressive and in high risk equity positions, in my opinion, right now, uh, when there's still a lot of, uh, issues that we're going to be dealing with in the near future. So, you okay. know, but I will say anytime there's going to be volatility like this opportunity is created and there's been a lot of opportunity over the past seven or eight months at different periods of time, you want to be in a position to take advantage of that opportunity as it presents itself. Okay. One of the, um, one of the things that, that we've, you know, I mean, two big top line transitions that are, that are coming, I mean, really three, but we'll, we'll start We'll start with the most obvious, um, the transition into a Biden administration. Um, and, uh, you know, I know there's some uh, folks listening who are maybe having trouble accepting. I'm going to do a separate video on that. Um, the, the writing on the wall seems to be pretty clear. I think there's close to zero chance that Biden is not sworn in as the next president of the United States. Um, how can folks prepare to protect their portfolio or capitalize on changes? Do you see any policy positions or any sort of big political changes um, that are indicating a certain, not individual stock picks because we don't do that here, but sectors are, are going to do well under a Biden administration? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's also important to look at what happens in the Senate. So we have these two Senate seats, these runoffs in Georgia that, you know, we're anticipating uh, obviously Biden uh, winning the presidency at this point, the House staying Democrat and the Republicans keeping the Senate, depending on those two runoffs. So really a split government. And I think, you know, historically speaking, the markets do pretty well and I think can live with a split government. But uh, the sectors that we think if that scenario plays out, that will do well. You have your health care, which I think will do very well. Uh, I think your you know, any U.S. companies with exposure to China should do very well. Your clean energy should do well. I think, you know, kind of U.S. infrastructure, I think, will, uh, will do well. I think information technology, that space will do very well. So that's, that's kind of those sectors are where we are allocating or have allocated some of our clients' portfolios. And I, I think you'll see them do very, very well. Um, you know, over the next year. Are you anticipating a, um, well, let me back up just quickly for folks listening. I think from a industry perspective or from a, you know, from a, from a stock market perspective does well under divided government because nothing gets done. <laughs> and so industry can sort of bake into the math that at least for two years or four years, they're going to have some breathing room that major legislation isn't going to be passed because there's going to be a, a, a divided government. So in effect, no, knowing that nothing's going to happen is a good thing for business. Um, are, are you anticipating a, 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 an end to the China trade war and then sort of a return to globalization? Um, you know, I know these, these are large, you know, geopolitical trends, but 
Um, would you anticipate that the Biden administration would would meaningfully act on uh, on that in such a way that would that would drive that that would drive some growth in those industries? We do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do think that uh, we well we anticipate that happening. And uh, and you know, going back to your comments before, I think you know you are correct that you know uh, moderate policies, you know, things that are more you know, middle of the road where you need bipartisan support, those are the things that we think could get passed. We don't think there's going to be a real progressive movement in any way if the Senate stays Republican. And I think those are some of the things that, you know, the, the market is baking in right now uh, to the, the, the values of some of these equity positions. But yeah, from a foreign policy standpoint, um, you know, not that I'm saying I agree or disagree with it, but we do anticipate that uh, some of the trade policies from Trump will be undone and there will be kind of a return to the prior Trump days in terms of our foreign policy. Whether or not you agree with that or not, I think in the short run, that um, is not a bad thing for, for those areas of the market. I definitely think long term there's potentially some some disadvantages for the U.S. that we're going to have to deal with. But uh, looking forward over the next 12 to 24 months, some of the industries with exposure to that, if that plays out, will um, be very favorable. And I think companies with exposure to China, that they could do, they could do well, potentially. Okay. Okay. The, the news of the Pfizer vaccine, um, and then to this morning we saw news for a Moderna vaccine, 94% effective. Um, saw a, a drop in many of the stay-at-home stocks, such as Zoom. Um, is there a sector of stocks that are being propped up by the pandemic? And if so, what do people need to know about them? Yeah, so that, you know, again, I think you have to come back to short-term versus long-term. So, yes, there's been some great vaccine news. I, I haven't had a chance to really study up on Moderna. I saw the 94%, but I haven't done a deep dive on their vaccine you know, in regards to Pfizer and, and um, you know, the other ones that came out a week or so, a week and a half ago. If you look at, though, how those need to be dis distributed, there's some issues. I think it was negative 70 degrees Celsius they have to be, you know, kept at. And I think it's going to be a logistical nightmare getting these vaccines out. I think that um, especially some of these, you know, third world countries. I think you're looking at Africa and South America. I think it's going to be a distribution nightmare. I don't think they have uh, the facilities in place to app, to get these out in a timely manner. And, and even here in the U.S., I think we're going to have a lot of issues. I think uh, it's going to take some serious time before these vaccines are, are distributed to everyone. And you need two dosages. So I don't know, um, again, with uh, the vaccine that came out, the news this morning, I haven't had a chance to look at it, but that's going to take a substantial amount of time. So when you look at some of these companies that have benefited from COVID, or let's just, let's just take some of these, these stay-at-home sectors, some of the virtual technology that have done you know, uh, exceedingly well, Yes, in the short term, certainly as this news comes out, it hasn't been great for those equity positions. And I think as uh, in the short run, there could be some volatility there. But then you also have to look at more long term. 
what are the trends for employment? And, you know, looking at what we're seeing here in California, but also in a lot of other areas, you know, you're seeing a lot of uh, major companies allowing individuals to work from home or work remotely and push out that date. And that might turn to an indefinite uh, time frame where people are allowed now to work largely at home, which I think will be long-term good for a lot of these companies. So, you know, the question is, based on how much some of these companies have gone up in the short term, as the vaccine news and the economy's opening back up here, are they going to come down? It's, it's definitely a real possibility. But at some point, I think they're also uh, attractive for a, a long-term play because I think they're going to be used more and more and more by uh, a lot of firms. You know, my firm, for example, we have everything set up virtually. And, and, you know, the virtual capabilities, thank God we invested heavily in that about 18 months ago. And uh, we didn't anticipate anything like COVID happening. It just turned out that way. But we were able to fully take advantage of it. And everything that we do can be done virtually at this point. So, you know, the, the industry is changing, my industry personally, but I think a lot of industries out there are changing and they're going to have to incorporate this virtually virtual technology uh, going forward. So it will be interesting, the short versus the long term, if that makes sense. Right, right, right. The, uh, you know, I mean, it, I mean, just my own, just my own personal, um, my own personal view on some of these, on some of these stocks and just, I'll just offer this like zoom, for example, I think it was trading at like $500 a share. And this is just me speaking. I got to tell you, I don't get it. You know, I don't like zoom doesn't offer anything that Skype doesn't necessarily offer, or we could, if we both had iPhones, we could do this on FaceTime. Facebook now has a product. Uh, Google has a product as well. Um, it just seems like I don't, I understand that the, the user interface is, is nice and it's very intuitive. I've seen groups of people easily gather on zoom, but as a sort of as a, as a value proposition, I don't understand how it's fundamentally different than a lot of these, you know, than a lot of these other competitors, you know, same thing with, um, you, you know, I mean, frankly, with, with a lot of, with a lot of things like Apple, you know, is really a luxury brand in my view. You know, I don't, I don't and I, I like iPhone. <laughs> like I have one right here, right? And I have the AirPods and everything, but I, I don't kid myself and say that the capabilities are any different than, uh, than anything else. Yet we see, you know, this is maybe just an unrelated, unrelated just observation, yet we see one brand over, you know, outperforming others. And I just, I personally question to what extent that is long-term sustainable, right? Um, I guess such is the value of a brand. You touched on, um, you know, things not returning to normal, understanding that things can be done virtually now where maybe there was some um, in the workplace, maybe, you know, there was always been, it had always been a talking point about, hey, let's let people, to, you know, work from home on Fridays in the workplace or switching to like a 312 um, or doing some type of like blend it. You know, it was always a talking point. I know for me here, I'm in, I'm in downtown Sacramento. I worked in the legislature forever. The, the air resources people, the environmental people were always pushing for, hey, if we could, as a society, do one day a week from home, it's, you know, what it's going to mean for, you know, redu reduction in, in uh, greenhouse gases is going to be really good. Um, and now COVID just kind of came with the sledgehammer and kind of forced it upon us. I think a lot of industries are saying, you know what, this works, it's going to be okay. You know, my employer, 
if you need to come into the office, come in. Otherwise, work from home. You know, and we'll see the work product when it comes in. It's all good, you know. Um, with that being said, um, I think that there's a number of, of folks in commercial real estate who are, who are maybe a little bit, bit um, kind of nervous right now. You know, if you look out into the commercial real estate, escape, uh, commercial real estate landscape before COVID even hit, everything's a restaurant. Everything's a restaurant or some type of service because retail has been absolutely clobbered by Amazon. And, uh, you know, it, the, the commercial real estate retail spaces really got boiled down to only those things that couldn't be, that couldn't be disrupted by Amazon services, restaurants, bars, things like that, gyms. Um, but it was, there was an ever narrowing, you know, category of things that could, that could prop up that commercial re, retail real, real estate space. And now there's another hit on commercial real estate. Um, just do you, do you have any, any, any views on commercial real estate? Does it bounce back? Is, is it kind of permanently deflated for, for a decade? What are, you, what are your thoughts? You know, it's, uh, I think if you're in the commercial real estate space, that's your industry. It's a, it's a scary place right now, um, the outlook for sure. I've got a lot of friends in it and, you know, I'm not an expert, but, you know, my take on everything that we're having right now is certainly you have to look at, you know, market specific. So, you know, here in California is where um, I would say I'm, I'm most knowledgeable on. And I think we have a rough road ahead of us in the commercial space here. You're, you're correct that, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more bankruptcies coming through in a lot of the retail space. So your, your restaurant industry is going to get decimated. Um, we're already seeing signs of that. I mean, when you drive through downtown Sacramento, it's, it's, you know, it's shocking how many businesses are boarded up. It's, uh, it's really just, uh, it's sad. It's extremely sad growing up here, but I think we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's coming down the pipeline from a bankruptcy standpoint. I think that if we see a six week shutdown, uh, I think that's going to fast track a few businesses that are barely holding on. I do think the, 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 the volume of bankruptcies are probably going to hit in Q3 and Q4 of 2021. So I think that's when you're going to see a lot more um, businesses just not being able to make it. The next round of stimulus may help keep them alive for another handful of months, but it's coming. It's, it's, I think it's already a done deal. It's just a matter of time. A lot of businesses are barely holding on. And I think you're going to have um, some devastation from that here in California. Now, the interesting thing is there's a lot of individuals, residents leaving California and looking at places like Idaho and Utah and Texas and Nevada. So I think there are some markets that are, are going to do better because they're going to see more and more people, not just from California, but Portland and Seattle, a lot of the, the, the coastal cities here on the West Coast, people are leaving because there's a lot of issues there. And so it'll be interesting to see some of these smaller uh, communities in other states, how they do and how the commercial does. But I think we have some very rough waters ahead of us. Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of businesses uh, start to realize that their staff can be just as profitable uh, working from home. So why do we need to have the huge corporate real estate expense? So I think you're going to see a lot of businesses downsizing, you know, personally, even, you know, our office, over half of our office is not being used, has not been used. 
uh, here in Sacramento, 3,000 square feet that we have. So if that trend continues, you know, we could potentially downsize our office too. We, you know, we still need a physical space, but we may not need as large of a physical space as, as we have previously. So, you know, all of those things, man, really come into play. But, um, you know, I think not just in the, the hospitality space, but a lot of these retail spaces, these malls, these outlets, you know, I, I don't see how they're going to continue to make it with the trends that were already happening now with COVID and the push to, you know, the Amazons of the world. I really think they're taking over in a large capacity. I think you're going to see small boutiques and the huge players, but a lot of the midsize uh, retail space, I think is going to get decimated by this. You know, it's interesting. Something uh, there is a growing percentage of Americans that simply did not pay rent on the first of the month. Um, and so it, it occurs to me that there's an eviction crisis looming as well. Um, but the, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just really interesting because you're seeing this sort of downturn in, in some sectors of the market, but, um, like you touched on earlier, a lot of folks are looking for a little bit more elbow room in their homes. And there is, you know, with the COVID and the social and political unrest in the large urban centers, there's kind of like a, a renewed flight to the suburbs, right? So the, you know, Haley and I, just being honest, Haley and I are looking at, um, you know, we were talking earlier that we're going to, we're going to do like a two or three month road trip in our RV, you know, and we can get into RV prices in just a second, RV boats and all that stuff. Um, but we have this in the back of our mind. We're very eyes wide open. If we see somewhere that we like, we might just not come back, you know, we'll come back, but we might just have to buy a house there. You know, if we see somewhere we like in Idaho, if we see somewhere that we like in Texas, we might just go, right? So there's, there's a, um, there's some, well, there's a downturn in some commercial real, real estate uh, and retail real estate. And then also there's going to be a downturn, unfortunately. Um, I, I hate to say this as a talking point because this is really profound suffering for a lot of people, but there's an eviction crisis looming. But the folks that, that have the, you know, they talk about a K-shaped recovery, the folks that have the means to kind of, to, to, to keep going, are going to be looking for that McMansion in the suburbs. They're going to be looking for those 3,000 and 4,000 square feet in the suburbs and the backyard. And so a lot of those uh, suburban real estate prices are actually going up and up and up. So there's kind of like this, like these like dual trajectories to the market. If you, you know, you know what I mean? Have you, does that, do you see anything in that? That's, that's, that's well, it's, yeah, I mean, on? you're, you're totally correct. That's absolutely ha happening. You're seeing uh, a lot of the big cities, San Francisco, LA, a lot of people are moving um, even here to kind of the Sacramento suburbs, Rockland, Roseville, Lincoln, Auburn, that's exploding right now. I mean, the prices and, um, you know, even in Dixon, you know, Dixon, we're seeing the city council members the other day and we're, we have a new development right behind my house. That's uh, 1200 new homes. And it was planned for five or six years out. They're expecting to be fully done within two years. They're, they're selling 12 new homes a week, all Bay area buyers and right. um, or like 90% Bay area buyers. So those trends are, are, are absolutely happening. Um, certainly, you know, uh, supply and demand. So as there's a lot more homes being built, which they still are being built right now, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how long that trend continues. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely, 
enjoy being in the suburbs right now versus being, you know, smack in the middle downtown of any of these major cities, which I think are taking a huge hit. Um, you know, and uh, again, a lot of these other communities outside of California are seeing the benefit with a substantial growth. They've already been seeing it, and I think they're seeing it even more now as people are, are leaving. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. Okay. Okay. The um, last question that, the, that I had for you, uh, kind of on our talking points, and then we can just kind of get into a general discussion. Um, this used to just be kind of like a, almost like a far left term that I would hear is the decoupling of the stock market from the real economy. This was something that really like political progressives would talk about how the stock market is just a graph of rich people's feelings. More and more as I watch the financial channels, I'm starting to hear that word decoupling used about how the stock market keeps going up, but everything, everything else in, in the real lived experiences of Joe Schmo on the street, um, who's getting laid off from work, who has a looming eviction, um, is getting, you know, is getting squeezed by the coronavirus and social unrest. Um, that's going down, but the stock market keeps going up and there's this sort of decoupling, right? I think even the, I think even the president said decoupling at one point, this is something that is now firmly, um, in the mainstream, this idea of decoupling. Um, do you have any thoughts on decoupling? It's a real thing what does that mean for the stock market? Is it, um, is it an unsustainable trend? Is it scary? Is, does it create opportunities? What, what's going on with that? Sure. Yeah. And I think it, it all comes down to your definition of it and, and what you're using it for. But I think um, the reality is that you have the stock market and a lot of sectors that are, if you just looked at the growth that they've had and where they're at, you would think that our economy was absolutely booming, that nothing ever happened, you know, in 2020. Obviously, that's not reality. We've gone through, you know, one of the worst, you know, crises that we've ever had with COVID that we still are dealing with. And we have long term tales on COVID that I think are going to be hugely impactful to our economy. So. So, yeah, I mean, if the definition is that, you know, the, the stock market and where we're at, you know, in reality, it's very, very different than absolutely we have that. And, 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 and I don't know what the end result is. You know, I think economically, I think we have some serious issues that we're going to have to resolve. And, you know, we haven't even really got into the long-term future or the economics of what's going to happen in two, three, four, five years from now, which, you know, I think you have to look at everything, all the money that's been poured into uh, our economy over the past 10 years, all the QE1, QE2, all the stimuluses, everything that's happening. And then, you know, the Fed keeping interest rates at near zero. This money is going to start to circulate through the economy. It already is. And, you know, as the velocity of money picks up, that's what will lead to inflation. And I think the, you know, one concern that a lot of economists have is, is inflation going to pick up down the road? And what impact will that have on our economy? And, you know, what will the Fed be able to do? You know, do they have the ammo left in the tank to be able to deal with that? So these are all long-term, long-term issues that I think, uh, we'll have to look at, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the stock market's going to come crashing down. You know, I think there will be areas of opportunity, you know, in the market 
And if things get really out of hand, yes, it absolutely could be bad for the U.S. stock market, but then there's international opportunities. So, you know, I think it is happening. To go back to your original question, absolutely, I think what we're dealing with versus the stock market are not aligned right now. And we may see uh, areas of the stock market continue to to go up and uh, things might get dicey here, um, you know, with our economy because of some of the tales of COVID in certain industries. So I don't know if I fully answered your question there. That helps. You know, when I heard you say, and if everything goes down here, then there's opportunity abroad. I am hearing um, somebody who knows how to navigate these waters. I'm hearing somebody who is um, cautiously optimistic, but kind of, kind of a positive guy sees, you know, there's a downturn here. There's, there's opportunity abroad. And I guess, you know, that's really what you make the big bucks for. <laughs> well, that's it, you know, and, and when I say, you know, it's, you know, the firm that we have, you know, I have people way, way smarter than myself here doing a lot of the research. And, um, you know, we have a great team here that is, you know, in place to understand what's happening and, and for our clients. But, but if you are an investor, you know, I think you, you want to stay in the market right now. I think you want to be wise. You don't want to be overly aggressive. Uh, I think if you've had good profits over the past six, seven, eight months, it's a good time to, to, to take advantage and lock in some of those profits. I wouldn't be taking a ton of risk or being really, really high risk uh, equity positions right now. Um, doesn't mean you, you can't, you know, have a small allocation to some of those, but there will be plenty of opportunity in the next six to 12 months. If you have a long time horizon, stay invested, work with a good financial advisor. And really what it comes down to is you need to have a good financial plan. So, you know, for our clients, it's really focused on what the long-term plan is. We're here at point A, point B down the road, whatever that goal is, retirement, or when I hate retirement, I think of being financially independent is really the word. I think, you know, that's where we all want to get to down the road you know, you want to be diversified and being in the market is part of that. I think real estate is part of that. Uh, You know, depending on what happens with the real estate market, there could be some great buying opportunities in the next couple of years. So having uh, liquid reserves to be able to take advantage of that, those are all areas that we will focus on in financial planning to help you get to financial independence down the road. And, um, you know, but you got to be wise though. You know, I think the old buy and hold where you just buy a couple mutual funds and you stay in those mutual funds over the next 20 or 30 years, I don't think that's the most efficient strategy uh, anymore. And, you know, but I also think buying individual equity plays, which a lot of people are just throwing money in individual two, three, four, five stocks, that's not the right approach either. And some people have done very well for themselves over the past six, seven, eight months. But um, again, working with a planner, they're going to help make sure you have a well-balanced allocation that's diversified across many different sectors of the market. And there is truth to sector rotation and rotating out of certain sectors that have done very well into sectors that may not have done as well. And I think that is the strategy that you really want going forward. So People have questions. I'm I'm available. I'm sure, you can get my contact information to them. We'll paste uh, we'll paste the contact information below. Perfect. You know, and I have a great group of advisors. So we we have 12 advisors here now. We just brought on this past Friday our 12th financial advisor. So we've been we've been growing and 
We've got uh, four, four offices here in Northern California besides our headquarters here in Sacramento. And then we've got an office in Southern Oregon and we're getting, getting ready to open up an office up in uh, the Spokane, Washington market here early this next year. So it's excited, man, the growth working really, really hard. And, um, you know, I, you know, I hate to say it because it's tough, but you never want to let a good crisis go to waste. And, you know, we've experienced it personally. My family, we lost a loved one to COVID back in March. It's been a devastating time. Uh, and, um, you know, my heart goes out to everyone that's experienced anything like that. But from a business standpoint, there's a lot of opportunity right now. And we're trying to take advantage of that. Very good. James Slaughter, co-founder, Sierra Ridge, uh, Sierra Ridge Wealth Management. Uh, thanks right. for, we'll, we'll paste the, we'll paste, uh, we'll paste contact information in the notes below so that folks know uh, how to get a hold of you. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks so much, Gibran. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. Sure, now where my bloody nose sleep?